Welcome everyone to our last ACS podcast this election week. Uh, this series is called Bala Chat. So far we've had Amog, we've had Georgie, and now today we have Tilly, and we're going to be discussing a lot of different issues that are definitely important to us here at ACS. But without further ado, Tilly, please let us know who are you, what do you do, and why are you running for office? Hi, so I'm Tilly. I'm running for VP postgrad this year in the SU elections. Um, I'm a fourth year student at Cardiff University. I'm doing a master's in sustainability planning and environmental policy in the geography school. It's a bit of a mouthful, that one. But um, I've been part of the hockey club for four years whilst I've been here. And I'm the wellbeing officer this year and I've been on committee before. I just absolutely love love the club, love these girls so much. But um, so my inspiration to run, so I, when I chose to do a master's, I was kind of a bit naive about thinking how much like the workload and stuff would be. I thought it'd be just like another year of kind of undergrad level work. So like being able to kind of like, oh, that's fine, I'll do it another day. Like it was quite a naive approach for me to be fair, but um, the workload's so much bigger. And postgrad students are kind of sidelined in like, cause, um undergrad students because there's so many of them and obviously it's where most of the uni's money comes from from undergrad students postgrad students really aren't given as much attention as they should get from the uni so like in terms of like mental health support advice and stuff like that and so I really really want to run and like support postgrad students because it's so kind of almost feel isolated slightly but um especially like new students joining Cardiff. I can't imagine what that would have been like because it, because it is only a one year course. I feel like sometimes they're less inclined to engage with clubs and societies and stuff as much because it's only one year they're here for, whereas most undergrads are here for three years. And so they get more, when they, when they join, they're targeted more by the university to be like, oh, join all like societies and sports and stuff like that. Whereas I don't feel that's the case so much for, under, for postgrads. Like I was quite lucky because I stayed from Cardiff so I was still involved in all of those stuff from my undergrad this year during my master's, but I can't imagine how it would have been for a new postgrad student joining because I feel like there wasn't that kind of opportunity to get involved. So I really want to run and make sure that new postgrad students feel like they are able and like can engage completely with university life at Cardiff. Yeah, no, I'll definitely say because many of our community members including myself are actually international students or at least we're coming from a totally different area and especially obviously we have uh, different communities that we're coming from uh what's really interesting is that the for some postgrad courses as you said it's just around a year for some people it's literally two years and they're weighted equally and like these are really really important years where you really need to have your head in your books and essentially be studying but at the same time, if you're just at uni for one year, it's like, you know, this is your freshman and your senior year in quotes, right? You know, uh, you don't really know what's going on. Let's say you're new to Cardiff, you don't know where everything is. Uh, what are you going to do as VP postgrad to be able to help those new students adjust, especially during COVID-19? Because I can imagine it was hard before COVID-19 and now it's exponentially hard during COVID-19. So I really want to, like, at the start of the year, really emphasise 
not only for postgrad students and stuff to get involved with all the sports fresh affairs but like society's ones but also I want considering thinking of doing like postgrad specific ones just in case it's a bit intimidating to go to one where it's just like thousands of 18 19 year olds like running around who've all come together from tally and stuff like that all in their like big groups so um I could appreciate how that would like if you were new to Cardiff how that might be a bit overwhelming so I was thinking of maybe running like a postgrad specific one like later on in the week and also especially like with COVID and stuff if like I'm trying to think of how to word this I appreciate that because COVID at the moment is on the down and we don't know what it's going to do in the future nobody knows what it's going to do in the future if it's going to come back if it's going to go and if it comes back a lot of stuff will be running back face to face because sport and stuff has taken such a hit this year but I really want to push for people if they're not comfortable and like I completely understand like you've not been around people for a year now and if you're not comfortable jumping straight back into full contact sport with people you've never met before and stuff like that I really want to push for there to be like a maintained kind of virtual option like if you wanted to do virtual socials and stuff like that I want to make sure like that is also an option for stuff and also like societies and stuff where stuff where it doesn't have to be face to face I really want to make sure that that is like virtual is an option because um I can completely understand like the thought of like lectures and stuff I mean like I've not been able to sit in a room with somebody who doesn't live with me for a year but then all of a sudden you get expected to go in a room with hundreds of people I can see how that would be quite overwhelming for some people so I really want to make sure that students who would be like anxious about that that there is enough support in place for them and yeah yeah definitely I can see how it's important to get in touch with people and even our community uh, we really struggled in terms of planning events we had to definitely cancel a few um, so just the idea that people might be able to get access to virtual socials sounds sound like something that might be uh, practical especially during these times and obviously we hope the vaccine will be able to to lift us from this this condition that we're currently in but again we'll just have to see and speaking on COVID we know that this obviously COVID-19 and there's been different studies showing that minorities have been affected particularly because obviously now as people have said it is that you know the equalities pre-COVID-19 uh, have essentially been exposed and people call COVID not just this virus, but it's like an exposing agent of the different inequalities uh, there in the, in the, obviously the system of, you know, trying to include minorities, whether it's in school, whether it's in hospitals, uh, or just even in, term, in terms of policing, etc., and the application of coronavirus laws. So in terms of our university, um, what do you know about, for example, like, you know, the, the different policies that the SU currently has in terms of being able to include minorities and essentially being able to, and this is where we get into the part in relation to discrimination. For example, we've talked about, I think this uh, anti-Asian hate crimes, et cetera, that have sort of spiraled upwards. Uh, and you know, this is the same period that obviously the Black Lives Matter movement has been happening. This is the same time, for example, for some students from India where you've had this whole crisis of the farmers protesting, et cetera. So definitely there's been a lot of uh, uprisings uh, or not just uprisings, but there's been a lot of 
uproar in terms of the conditions that minorities are facing around the world. And subsequently, you have minorities in Cardiff who are affected by this on a psychological level, and they have to deal with that in terms of mental health, etc. So what, what, what uh, actions are you going to take as a VP to essentially ensure that the minorities do not fall through the cracks of the system and essentially that they are included within the system and they're catered towards? Okay, so I, I touched on earlier, like wanting to make postgrad mental health really specific. But I think that should be like really broad. And I just want mental health is so, so important. And as you said, like the number of increased hate crimes towards um, like minorities, especially this year, and with all the attention of all the Black Lives Matter protests and everything, it has been such a challenging year for everyone. And I really wanted to make like access to mental health support for people who have really struggled. I want to make it like as streamlined and as approachable as possible. And I don't want to feel like people, like if they have been victims of hate crimes, I don't want them to feel like intimidated going to go get support because some, I've got a couple of friends who like slightly different ballpark, like sexual harassment, they feel intimidated, like, scared to go get help because they're worried that about the repercussions because they don't want people to hate them because they're seeking help for something that happened to them but they're like oh everyone's going to hate me because it's this person but I'm like that that shouldn't be the case like if something's happened to you and it's affected you like you need to go and get help for it and you should be able you should be given that help and you should be encouraged to go get that help you shouldn't have people telling you oh no don't go get help because that is so so terrible like you're telling somebody that they shouldn't go get help because they've been affected by something like but yeah so um I just really want to make sure that it is access accessible to absolutely everyone all mental health support and I really want to work with like as a VP so my role if I was to be elected fingers crossed um is more quite an educational role so there's VP Heath education and postgrad, and they are all kind of more targeted at education. Then you obviously got like welfare, which does that, and then sports and society. So it's all kind of spread around a bit. And so as an educational role, I think it would be really, really important to, I'm sure we're going to come back to this later in more detail about decolonizing the curriculum. But um, I just want to make sure that that, that should be going ahead faster than it is like I saw on the SU website earlier they said that in 2019 there was a conference that the AGM like racism was discussed that was two years ago like why hasn't that come up more since then like I've only saw they've only put that on their website I had a quick look at it yesterday and I saw that and I was like why has that not been mentioned about more recent developments and stuff like that and why haven't I heard about that before so um yeah decolonizing the curriculum and stuff like that is going to be really really important as a VP and I also really want to work with um, societies like you guys and to ensure that um, like people from like BME uh, communities are represented and I really want to like talk with you and understand like what it is that you guys want because obviously like as a white female like I don't I don't understand it would be wrong of me to assume that I understand what it is that you want like I'm learning constantly constantly learning so like me compared to a year ago I feel like I'm so much more knowledgeable now but I'm only like 21 years through my life like I don't have any of the lived experience which you guys have and so I really want to work with you guys to 
like engage university in conversations so like what would help with welfare what would help you feel supported from the university and stuff like that so I really want to kind of have these conversations with everyone like the university the SEU and for you guys and just yeah I don't it would be wrong of me to turn around and be like oh I spoke to ACS one time and so they want this 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 I want to make sure that you are engaged in the conversation for the whole time and like like almost lead the conversation like probably lead it because once again I said it would be wrong of me to assume what you guys want and then for lead it I want to be facilitating the conversation and making sure that it is sustained and it's not just a one-off conversation and then you need to turn around and be like oh yeah that was great and then leave and get back on what they were doing before I want to make sure that those pathways of communication are constantly open and constantly back and forth so you guys are represented yeah and no, I think it's important to establish long-term modes of communication and not just for example once every six months or something it's like you know content streams of, of communication and I mean even perhaps I don't know if the work is a lot for one person delegating it to other people and or creating new societies where you have uh, and I think Georgie brought this up yesterday the idea of having uh, uh, people who are essentially uh, diversity inclusion champions and they go down to different societies they sort of check down or check what's going on and then they sort of revert because the thing is I mean, I don't really think I've seen any structures that are properly connecting minority societies. And I think this is the main thing. I think the societies are a very key channel into being able to understand the issues that are facing certain communities. So especially as African Caribbean community, um, we've experienced a lot in terms of, you know, you, you get the random message on the group chat. Oh, you know, someone said this, you know, that was racist someone said the N-word to an Obama poster during Black History Month. And, you know, you're, you're hearing all of these stories and you're just getting shocked because uh, if you're out of a society or if you're just an individual, you'll be like, oh, there's no problem. Or at least that's if you haven't experienced racism yet, right? But in the societies, I feel like there's a lot of cohesion and it's a, it's a safe space for people to be able to share. So if we're able to actually connect with the SU on even a monthly basis, like, or just having a direct contact or line, you know, when there's like, you know, things that come up, for example, the death of Mahmoud Hassan, which was literally in Cardiff, you know, in our back door, like we can be able to actually push forward. Uh, and I'll definitely be, you know, George and I talked about this yesterday, but we're going to just be getting in contact with the SU to try and just push a bit and try and get a statement out or something. Because, I mean, I, we just kind of felt a bit sidelined even during the, the heat of the Black Lives Matter protest, et cetera. Um, so in terms of, I mean, communication, what structures do you plan to create to ensure that this communication is not tokenistic, where it's like, oh yeah, you know, uh, we, we, we're gonna listen to your concerns, but we're not gonna address your issues, you know, sort of thing. It's like, is this communication going to be followed by decisive action that'll bring forth meaningful change? And if so, how will it do that? Yeah, definitely. So um, I don't quite know how I'm going to go about this yet because obviously I don't have Georgie was is VP Welfare this year, so she's got experience working in the SEU and she knows all the like connections and stuff like that. And if I got this role, I would be completely new into it. I don't know quite how. I've got ideas in my head, but I don't know how exactly I'll implement them. But 
it's a learning curve I'll find a way like it it will be fine I'll try I'll do my absolute absolute best but um yeah so like as you said with the Georgie mentioned like EDI champions I think that's such a such a good idea like that will keep conversations like open and like throughout all the schools and everything and keeping the conversation going is like the most one of the most important things but um during campaign week we've been on so many zooms and talking to people and um all the campaign officers have all we've all been in those zooms together so like we go from one zoom to another we're like oh it's all the same people and um one of the girls running for vp welfare this year she's called iona she she's great absolutely absolutely great i think she'd do such a good job if she got it but she mentioned that she was on her school's anti-racism committee and i was like oh i've never never heard of that and so i was thinking about that i was like how come all schools don't have that or if they do how come not everyone's aware of them because i'm not aware of them but um i don't know whether that's just because i've never felt the need to go to anyone because obviously as a white person there's probably stuff which goes over my head because i'm just oblivious to it because it's obviously i don't have the lived experience and stuff like that but um yeah so something like establishing those in all the schools like anti-racism committees i just made something like that hasn't been the case in all the schools yet so um something organizing something like that and having that in place in all the schools i think would be a really good way to keep conversations open um between the schools which can then feed the uni and also then because the because the conversation is happening in schools it'll be more the SU will be able to pick up on it more I think and also people will be more willing to come and talk to it with the SU but also like talking to you guys as societies as you said having um African Caribbean society as a safe space where everyone feels open to talk I think if we could do as you said like monthly or like even more regularly if we could I, I don't quite know how this, how it will work if I get the role but I would push for it to be as regularly as possible having talking to you guys from the committee and you being able to bring forward to be like our members have faced this this month like this is not okay and we'll be like okay and then we'd listen to you guys and then we'd try to figure out what like as a big conversation so with the university and with you guys would figure out what needs to be done so like if it's sanctions for the people who have been doing like saying horrible things like as you said, the Obama poster during Black Lives Matter, not Black Lives Matter, sorry, Black History Month, like, that's appalling. The, whoever said that, that should have been reported and they should have had at least been, like, had some communication with the university about that. I don't know. It's not up to me to decide what the university does, but obviously that is just not okay at all. But, um, yeah, on a larger scale, like, as you said about Mohammed Hussein, as far as I'm aware, there hasn't been a university statement about that. But um, that's not okay. I think something like that needs to be discussed and with the university and they should at least be making a statement about it because, as you said, it's on, on Carlos Uni's back door. Like, it's a couple of miles down the road. Like, they should be make, they should be being, they should be being proactive. Like, they should be talking about this stuff before, like, big events. Like, not that is a big event but like instances like this happen but like especially when instances do happen they should be saying like 
this is wrong. We, we appreciate this will affect individuals within our community. And we want to make sure that there's support available for them and like sign pe- signposts towards support for people who have been, feel like they've been affected by it, by it. But they also should be like, like making statements, just being like vocal about it because like being silent doesn't change anything. Like it's, I think, wasn't it one of those big sayings during um, all the BLM protests, like white silence is violence. Like they should be, they can't just ignore it. It won't make the problem go away. Yeah, when I've, I've heard funny claims, you know, <clears throat> the best way to end racism is to stop talking about it. <laughs> I mean, some people generally believe that. And uh, yeah, it just, it just clearly shows that people don't really understand uh, how intense the psychological violence is for Black people who are studying, especially in Cardiff. And the thing is, um, I've definitely done some reading into it or just some general research into it, uh, even just contacting Black alumni, etc. And a lot of them talk about how, for example, like, you know, having the ACS community for them was like, as I said, a safe space because a lot of them actually felt intimidated because they had experienced racism before. So that actually sort of caused them to sort of fall back onto ACS because they're like, you know what, I'm tired of this. I go through this every day. I go through it on the internet. I go through it uh, everywhere. So definitely for me, it's not going to be something that I want to be dealing with even in my uni life. I just want to fall back onto ACS. And we've also talked about, you know, Uh, you know, something as simple as just being able to report things to the university. Some people don't even have faith in that reporting system. Uh, And not even just that, I feel like, as you said, we need to have conversations about this. And one key element of this is that I don't think that as a university, we we, we really have critical discussions about um, the university itself uh, enough. Like, I don't think we have those discussions on like a panel sort of platform. I know that the race equality steering group they do have meetings, I think it's once a month, and they do talk about obviously racism, et cetera. But I don't feel like there's one that is, you know, you know, generally one that we can be able to invite like loads of people from just around the university to just come through, like even at just a general assembly, something like that. There's no public space where we actively engage or critique instances of racism or structural racism within the university. So if you do end up becoming VP, how are you going to improve that sort of form of communication where people will not just be able to talk to the SU, but be able to engage with other people in the university and have whether it's debates or talks about, or even just town halls about, for example, is Cardiff University, uh, to what extent is Cardiff University racist? You know, is it not racist? Is it extremely racist and like having these difficult discussions might actually be able to open up a lot but <clears throat> what do you have to say about that mood <clears throat> that mode or that passion of being able to to speak um as i said like i don't know in the ins and outs of how the su is run yet because obviously i don't have the role and i don't have the experience there but something like having regular but I know there's the AGM, but that's once a year. And I think, I'm not sure if you have to have like pre-asked questions and they read them out. I've d- I don't know, because i got to say I haven't actually ever been. But um, as I said, that is once a year. I think there, sh- there should be 
more opportunities for people just to come in and voice their concerns. So like, I know that I would like have a like an open door kind of once a week, maybe twice a week, have an open door like session. People can just come in and talk to me about it. But obviously that needs to be as great as they're talking to me. But if they want to talk to the uni, I don't think there is that pathway available to have like regular discussions with the uni. So I think I'd definitely push for something like more regular, like, as you said, kind of like town hall meetings, like get everyone who's got an issue can come in and voice it. And like, we might not be able to respond like on the spot. And I feel like if we responded on the spot, then that means that we haven't actioned that concern. So I think like, if we took those concerns away, looked at them, looked like, okay, how, how do we implement this? How do we change it? Who do we talk to, to give us better insight into how we change this? Um, I think that's something that should absolutely, absolutely happen. And I'll do everything in my power to make sure that that does happen. But I think that is so important. And it's something I hadn't like quite considered um, when I was like producing my manifesto and everything. Like, it's been such a learning curve. I'm trying to add more points to my manifesto as I'm going along at the moment, like this week. But um, what else did you mention briefly at the beginning? I'm so sorry, I forgot. I had something on the tip of my tongue. Mm, I think I just mentioned um, a concept of being able to communicate on a platform. That's the main point, mm. really, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. Yeah, the answers. Yeah, it's a good answer, and and I totally understand. Uh, you said that you're 21, right? That's interesting, isn't it? Like you're supposed to be 22 when you go into masters, right? Or does it like change? Yeah, I'm I'm an August baby who didn't take a gap year. Oh wow, wow. Yeah. So I'm 22 in five months, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. How, how's that like? Because like you're pro- basically the youngest in your class, right? Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm just used to. It. I've always been the youngest in my class. Like I just mm. go with it. I feel like for my age, I am quite mature about mm. some things, but then other things, people are like, "Oh, you're such a baby," and I'm like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> that's interesting, definitely. And I think, yeah, in terms of post the post grad experience, you definitely have a very very unique one. But yeah, back to the the main topic of me. Yeah. No, but obviously it's good to get get to know a bit about you and your experience, which is, is good as well. Uh, but just in the interest of time, I think I'm going to move to the second last question, and then there'll be a bonus question uh, that's just going to ask us about uh, you specifically. But uh, the last question in relation to to racism, I mean, uh, we've asked all of the people that are interviewees. Yeah, we've asked all of them this question about the blackface incident, <clears throat> uh, anaphylaxis, and um, <clears throat> obviously we know what happened there. We, a lot of universities claim that there's a zero tolerance policy, but it, in my opinion, it's very much pro-abuser uh, in terms of like, you know, uh, the person who's actually committed that abuse of racism. It's like, they should not be going on retreats and, you know, becoming doctors in the NHS. And this is exactly why there's such high levels of mortality during birth, for example, for Black women. You know, these racial ideologies, people are allowed to graduate with them. So, um, you know, to what extent do you think that's, that, that that concept of zero tolerance policy on racism is true in Cardiff? And if it's not satisfactory, what pushes are you going to make or like what 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 are you going to do to try and make that more sort of 
I'd say intense or like, you know, just when dealing with racism, how are you going to actually make it satisfactory and just say that this is zero zero tolerance policy? Um, That anaphylaxis, I didn't hear about this until quite recently, which I think that means that the university had done such a kind of, oh, let's kind of bury that as deep, deep as we can. That was appalling. I don't, I am amazed that they, the response the uni gave to that by sending them away and just being like, oh, that was bad. Like that was, so people need to be held accountable for their actions. And like what they did was so terrible. And like, as you said, like, oh, if uni says there is zero tolerance, like surely that, that would mean that they would have to be asked to leave the university like that. That shouldn't be what, when you think of Cardiff University, the first thing you shouldn't think of is, is a racist play done by medics. Like, I'm not aware of anyone being kicked out of the university for being racist. And either that means that the university is an unracist place, which I don't believe at all, but it then just means that they don't have a system in place to kick students out for being racist. So I think, like, what they must be doing at the moment is something which is, like, kind of, like, slapping them on the knuckles, being, like, naughty. And then leaving it as that, I think they need, they definitely, definitely needs to be something more in place. There needs to be like a, a way for people to submit concerns, like a, a more streamlined pathway for people who've been like, oh, that was racist, that's not okay. There needs to be like a smooth pathway for people to submit that complaint, for the people involved in that complaint to be brought together and for like there to be like a panel to like assess or something. I'm not entirely sure. I think there are, there is, um, there's the different departments and unions and there's, there's the EDI committee and there's like the strategic equality plan and stuff like that so I'm not sure what they've got in place at the moment but it doesn't sound like what they've got in place is is working or is like strong enough because it's just not like they should have been asked to leave those students who did that I just can't it's just so annoying that they've been asked to stay. I can't, like, that's just my opinion. I can't even imagine what it is for you guys because that must have affected you so, so much more because you have that lived experience of, like, people being racist towards you. And I'm like, that... It's, it just... It's so, so wrong. But, um, yeah, the complaint process and, like, needs to be streamlined because everyone, like, as I've said, I can't stress this enough, people need to be held accountable for their actions. So people who do stuff like that, they need, yeah, they just need to have people um, come and, I, I don't know what the policy is at the moment of it, so I'm trying not to be like, oh, they need to do this, and then be like, oh, they do that already, but like, they need to do it, it needs to be more visible, like, if there is something like that already, because I'm not aware of there being much, like, once again, coming from a white girl, so I don't know it's not a path that I would go down but um it does need to be more visible so like if I was elected I would definitely work I'm sure the whole SAB squad would work for this to make that more more of a um have those conversations with the uni and be like this is not okay at the moment like people need to be if they're racist do you want them representing your organization when they graduate like it's like as you were saying, like the people, the higher rates of um, mortality during 
uh, childbirth for black women, like the links back to like decolonizing the curriculum and like the Black Lives Matter protests, but like it's, I remember seeing on Facebook and stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not sure what's this massively got to do with the um, like complaints procedure, but I just remember seeing this and I just wanna mention it briefly, but like decolonizing the curriculum. I remember seeing loads of medics sharing stuff about recognizing skin conditions on people with different um, skin tones. Like, so a rash on a white person is obviously really visible, but it might not be the case on everyone. And like, it's not, might not be the case. It's definitely not the case on everyone. So we need to, this is just like a little side point which has just come into my head and I just really want to mention that needs to be like decolonized so much and it needs to be there's representation across everyone because it's um it's so so important because these people are going to be working in the nhs they could be like in a couple of years time me and you could both go to them with the same condition and we could be diagnosed differently because they weren't taught what to look for like that's just a little side point and that's something that really like a something I was just like something that I would never have considered because once again like as a white person like and they're being taught mostly by white people as well they're being told like oh this is a rash this is bad like this is what it looks like on everyone and then being told or like being unaware that there was a lack of representation in something which should be covered for everyone up at the um up at the heath is just something which i just think needs to change as well i'm so sorry that was not the answer to your question but that's just something i really wanted to say well that's really important because even in terms of i think there was certain thermometers that work in a certain type of way and they actually did studies and they found out that it wasn't working to the same degree obviously if you have a darker skin tone compared to if you have a lighter skin tone so i think it's it's so so important and like i really get triggered when people start saying oh you know black history or like you know black uh, like you know just decolonizing the education this is not our history it's not our topic you know um it's not really important to us and then one day you're going to have to render a service to someone who is of a darker skin tone and then before you know it like you know this is if the negligence claim even succeeds it's like you know you have someone suing you for negligence because you should have known that right and it's just all a question about the university said uh, you know, university, what is one of the goals of university? And the main goal is essentially to prepare you for a career, either obviously in academia in your field <clears throat> or an actual practicing career, for example, as someone who's a doctor or even people who are, you know, for example, doing digital health studies and they're going to be designing the machines that doctors use. This is really important stuff. And I think that this needs to be something that's put on the agenda. And when you see that, for example, in the AGM, the last time that racism was discussed was two years ago, you said, right? It's just, it's purely unacceptable because these are issues that are going to definitely affect the graduating pool and subsequently affect society. So I think that's how people need to, to see it. And I think that racism does need to be more of a priority. But to wrap up and to ask our final question for today, um, it's going to be a hypothetical one. But if you could eradicate any one problem from the earth today, which problem would that be and why?
As a sustainability student, I would love to say climate change because I think climate change disproportionately affects like with Hurricane Katrina, like the a lot of the victims were from um, BME communities because they it was like environmental racism. I remember we covered it in a module because of where they were located. They were located in the the poorer areas of New Orleans, which were in the more more flood risk, more like they had less access to services and everything. So like and hurricanes and stuff like are becoming more and more severe as a result of climate change and getting more regular and stuff like that and there was something about like the number of climate refugees is going to be increasing massively in the next few years but um so not only for like the sake of the planet but like it does disproportionately affect people from bme communities which um i didn't it's something that i wouldn't have thought of until to be fair doing my undergrad in the geography school because they were we did a module about, I can't remember what module it was, but they we covered it. And I was like, this is something which is not, not common knowledge enough. Like this is not aware enough how disproportionately it affects people because like, as I said in Hurricane Katrina, like that, it, especially in the USA where like racism is so, I mean, don't get me wrong, it is, it is here as well. It is appalling here, but, especially during like the heat of all the Black Lives Matter protests like you could see it when it all started initially we were watching it all in the US and then obviously it became more prevalent here but um there in the deep south like New Orleans kind of Texas vibe like it is so so bad and like I remember looking at like videos and stuff and being like this is appalling but um people are unfairly treated and then it affects people's lives and like where they live and stuff like that. And um, it's always like the white people being like, oh, I'm from Texas, I, I love Texas. I'm gonna live in all these nice, nice big houses which got all the, like in LA and stuff like that, people have got like earthquake insurance. They've got, I know earthquake insurance got nothing to do with climate change, but like wildfires and stuff like that people from BME group communities don't necessarily always have, I know this is quite a bold assumption to say, but like if you think of like rich Americans, they are normally white and they normally have all the, the money to like, oh, my house burnt down, that's a shame, build a new one. Like not everyone can do that. And like with climate change, it's just gonna affect so many people and not everyone's gonna be able to protect themselves from it or like if they can't protect themselves but rebuild from it in the same way and so yeah my answer as a sustainability student it is going to have to be climate change <laughs> but just purely because of how it affects everyone and it like it is it affects everyone but it is like discriminatory as well yeah <clears throat> having been a sustainability student myself this year as well <laughs> just in one of my my classes the concept of environmental racism. I watched a live stream about it and people just got mad. They're like, why you have to bring race into everything? And I said, actually, everything is about race <laughs> because that's how it was made 400 years ago. And it's quite, it's incredible that, you know, the pro, the essentially the product of colonialism and slavery was an industrial complex that started this chain reaction of, 
continually building up your industrial processes to the point where they're the biggest pollutants essentially and they're coming mainly from the global north with the exception of a country like China for example and then the former colonies in this economic quagmire in the post colonial you know the post colonial period trying to fight for you know uh, economic development at the same time it's like you know the idea of sustainability is like you know for them it's like you know you're the ones who are polluting and we're the ones who are sort of getting the brunt of that like even back home in Kenya you know there's this idea of the droughts and all that different stuff they become more intense and definitely you know we're just relying on that sort of aid so i think that's a it's a very good answer and definitely again once again goes to show that um when you're discussing something structural or societal unfortunately because racism has been built into the structure of society that's something you just have to consider it's a, it's a variable and i'm glad that you're able to see that but unfortunately we do have to close off thank you so much tilly it's been wonderful and uh definitely i hope that to the listeners that you've been able to take out enough from these podcasts remember that the deadline is tomorrow to vote and uh just make sure that you're voting for people that you trust etc and that you are casting a vote in the first place but thank you so much to everyone um <clears throat> we'll reach out to you uh for other podcasting opportunities and have a wonderful day <laughs>